Podcast. I'm G here with Justin and Peter. Boys, we are back for the official episode one. How are we feeling? It's a it's a lovely Sunday afternoon. Although, you know, it's here in the DC suburbs, a little chilly. Yesterday it was weirdly sixty seven, but um not so bad. Uh here in sunny Los Angeles, uh feeling great and feeling very, very uh, holly and jolly as Christmas approaches. Peter, holly and jolly. Indeed. Peter is feeling holly and jolly. All right. Awesome. Uh, I don't know what the weather is. I haven't been outside in four days. Um, <laughs> so no idea what's going on out in the, out in the real world. Uh, I, but I have no idea what the weather is either. I keep changing from coast to coast on like too regular of a basis, and my body can't adjust one way or the other. Well, at least you're going at the same uh, latitude. You're not going further north. I guess it's a fair point. <sighs> All right, so we're back. In this episode, what we're going to do is we're actually just going to do the movie uh, recap. Uh, and <laughs> Justin, because we realized we can talk a lot about a movie, right? I think, we had I no think idea. <laughs> yeah, we had no idea. We had spoke for so long until after the fact. So what yeah. we're going to do is we're going to do the movie, and then we're going to do a separate episode. Uh, where we're going to do a Reddit thread. And I think the one we're going to be doing for the Reddit thread is the controversial Halo Reddit uh, fiasco. Well, uh, maybe fiasco is strong, but just the... No, 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 oh. I think fiasco is about right. <laughs> well, yeah, so the, everything that surrounded that, and, and Peter here is a diehard Halo, you know, he, he's he's as diehard as they come, so he'll, he'll be able to give us a lot of context. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. But for today... We're going to be focused on the movie that we all watched, and what we all watched was Tommy Boy. Justin, do you want to first recap for everybody again the IMDb the, wheelhouse concept? The wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I, for a long time, have used a, a kind of a, I don't know, I, well, I call it the wheelhouse, but it is sort of a, a movie measuring system to steer me away from movies that I'm probably, keyword probably, not going to like. Okay, so here's really quickly how it works. You go to IMDb, you pull up a movie. There's always a star rating on that movie based on user reviews and some algorithm that sits behind it. If the movie is anywhere outside of the range of 5.5 to 8.0, then it is out of the wheelhouse. And that means that it's unlikely that I'm going to like that movie. Now, keep in mind that I think most movies fall into the wheelhouse, right? Like 5.5 to 8.0 is a huge range. Um, and so it's not going to guarantee that whatever I, I watch, I'm going to like. But it is like it's fairly useful for helping me avoid movies I'm not going to like. Now, I said this last time. I'll say it again. Somebody out there right now is sitting there thinking, oh, 5.5 to 8.0. What did you did you not like Return of the King? Yeah, I loved Return of the King, right? And I say, it just means that I probably won't like that movie if it's above an 8.0. There are examples. It's just that they're not super common, right? If it wins an Oscar, I'm probably not going to like the movie. It's really that simple. That is the concept of the wheelhouse. It has served me well over the years. You know, it's it's not infallible, but it works. 
Yep. So that's the that's the concept that we're using. Uh, so for this week, the movie we're reviewing or reviewing the movie we all watched was Tommy Boy, nineteen ninety five film. Just Chris what Farley, a, what a classic. David Spade. Somehow Rob Lowe is not on the, the the top billing of this. I guess this is before he was you know all that. But let's get going, Justin. You're gonna drive our plot. Yeah. So let's let's go. All right. So the the. Tommy Boy is a, I, I would say, kind of classic mid-90s dumb comedy movie um, starring the late, great Chris Farley and David Spade. Um, and it's about, I think, loosely, and you guys let me know if you if you disagree, but it's loosely about, you know, kind of a screw-up <laughs> rich kid who, you know, drank and partied his way through college and then suddenly the family business and because the family business is based on a small town, the town itself kind of depends on Tommy rising to the occasion of saving the family business, subsequently saving the town. And of course, it's Chris Farley. He's an idiot. Hilarity ensues. I think that's like that's the nuts and bolts of the movie, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fair. So I, you, we can walk through the the plot here in a second and like talk about our favorite and least favorite parts because you know it's always interesting but like as a starting point here's a thing that I've learned for all of our listeners that I've learned about G he has seen no movies like none especially if it's like an 80s or 90s movie comedy which is like where I live like my favorite movie of all time is Dumb and Dumber and so he's seen nothing and so I like I'm just gonna start by saying what did you think and we'll get to our, like, you know, our zero out of five Pogs rating later. And so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to spoil anything. But what did you think? Well, I also want to mention two things. I'm on record as saying I hate dumb comedy. And two, this is my first introduction to Chris Farley. First thing I've ever seen him in. Okay. All that said, this was a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> I can't believe you've never seen Chris Farley in anything I, else. Obviously, I know, I know of him, right? right? Uh, but I had never, to my knowledge, have seen anything in him. Uh, now, that's, that said, if like if this is how all dumb comedies were made, like I would actually love them because this was a great movie. Let me just say, this is how all dumb comedies that I like are made, for the most part. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, like my heart leaps at uh at the positive review that I'm hearing right now. I'm very excited. So you liked it. I'm I'm super thrilled. I did like it. I I I laughed at the first 20 seconds. <laughs> All right, Peter, <laughs> you'd seen it before? Question mark. Well, so uh I've seen it before, but I saw it when I was really young as uh with most 90s movies, I have faint sort of memories of them. And so as I've gone back and rewatched them, it's been both nostalgic and, you know, kind of experiencing it for the first time all over again. And I would concur. It's a cinematic masterpiece. I mean, this is, I think, evidence to how the wheelhouse is so amazing because this movie would be so overlooked in today's day and age. And yet it's so funny it's so um, wholesome, and it's just an iconic performance by an inc- iconic character, you know, actor, Chris Farley. I mean, he's just... Chris Farley at his best, right? It's like the SNL, like it's peak SNL, 
right? When Chris Farley was there, David Spade was there. Yeah. Some people would say the seventies are peak SNL. Maybe I wasn't alive then. Um, so missed it, but the nineties were a good decade for SNL. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's just in so many ways, it's just kind of the, you know, one of the, it's the epitome of sort of Chris Farley's, you know, career. It's like this sort of, I, again, I'll use the word masterpiece, but <laughs> I was laughing so much during this entire movie. I mean, it's, it's just so unbelievably funny in so many ways. And, you know, I, I was going through and reading some, you know, reviews and I was losing my mind that, you know, when it came out, it was getting some poor reviews. Like, how does that even happen? There's no accounting for taste. Yeah. Well, and to go back to what I said earlier, when I said I hate dumb comedy, when I say that, I'm thinking of movies like Step Brothers or Oh, I love Step Brothers. Or Anchorman. Like, I hate those movies. Like, it's not, I don't find those funny at all. It's hard to to reconcile the fact that you like this. (laughs) But you hate Step Brothers or Dumb and Dumber or you know, something like that. That's that's tough for me. Maybe I need to rewatch those movies, but maybe I'm a different person now than when I originally watched them. But I just hate I just I just hated those movies. I didn't. I went through large portions of watching those movies without laughing at all. Have I seen Dumb and Dumber? Maybe I'm being unfair to Dumb and Dumber because I don't think I've seen it. It is um, the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> okay, we'll wait on that. Uh, but this, like, to Peter's point, I mean, it, it was funny. And Chris Far like Chris Farley is a riot and a half, but it was also like wholesome at the same time. Like there was an actual story here, and like his relationship with his father was like, you know, and actually, <laughs> so his relationship with his father was so good. I knew almost instantly that that meant his father was yeah, gonna no, he's, kick he's the doomed, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I like that. I like that he had such a great relationship with his father, and and his father didn't seem to, you know. I mean, yeah, so so Chris Farley's character, Tommy, in the movie, he's not that bright. He went to college for six and a half years. Yeah. (laughs) Trying to get a four-year degree. Uh, He finally graduates, comes home, and his dad, like, his his dad, it's not that he doesn't know his son is a little behind on, you know, stuff. He doesn't care. He doesn't care, which is great. I mean, that's what a father should should be. Um, Yeah. He still wants him to take over the business and all that, so... I really liked that part of it. And I just, Chris, Chris, Chris Farley's character, like, uh, he goes into the, the part of, so there's a part of the movie where, um, his dad is touring the new part of the facility with the investors and the board and everything. And, and Tommy goes and he starts playing with the hooks and the cranes. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so hard at that part. All right. Well, I think this is as good a time as any to to kind of jump into walking through the movie and we can sort of stop at our various, you know, favorite or even least favorite parts. Um, So the movie starts with Tommy as a young boy (laughs) Uh, and whoever they got. I never did look it up. I probably should see what that kid's up to these days. But whoever they got to play young Tommy. I did. I think Chris Farley did a pretty good service to Chris Farley. I mean, he ran full tilt into that sliding glass door. Like, he did not shy away from it. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of sets the scene with with Tommy as a bit of an idiot. That's probably the right way to characterize it. And, you know, we see him, you know, in college kind of partying it up. And it's kind of a montage-y all the way through that. Because ultimately what we're building to is we're building to Tommy graduating finally 
after six and a half, seven years, whatever it is, and coming home. He's coming home to Sandusky, Ohio, small town. For anybody who doesn't know, I think what Sandusky's currently famous for is that's where Cedar Point, the amusement park, is located, is Sandusky, Ohio. Um, unless I have my facts uh, incorrect, but I think I'm right about that. So he's coming home, small town, um, and it's decidedly a, um, you know, kind of a blue-collar industrial town. And so he's coming home, and he's on the ride home, and he's seeing all these factories. I guess he hadn't been home in a while, but he's seeing all these factories that have closed down because, you know, economic hardship and things like that. Um, and he gets home, or not home, I guess. He gets to the, uh, he gets to the plant, the uh, Callahan Auto Parts plant, to see his dad. And, you know, his dad, to, to G's point, is very excited to see him, kind of understands where he is, but doesn't care. Tommy Boy's home. And, um, he's going to give him a, a big, you know, cushy executive job at the, uh, at the, uh, the plant. And this is, you know, continues to be one of my favorite lines ever as he, you know, walks him into his office and he's like, you know, Tommy's trying to keep his eyes closed because he thinks it's a big surprise. And dad's like, Tommy, open your damn eyes. You don't have to keep your eyes closed. And he finally walks him up to his office and he says, here's your new office. And Tommy's just blown away. Um, and he walks up to the mini fridge and he goes, oh, it's a mini fridge. You could put six packs of soap in here <laughs> which is a, uh, a a pretty iconic line um and it's at this point i think um that we meet richard right richard picked him up from the airport oh richard did pick him up from the airport you're right totally messed that totally messed that up so richard comes back in richard's i think a little unhappy that tommy's just kind of waltzing into this cushy job while you know he's been uh slaving away and, and, and trying to climb the corporate ladder and Richard and Tommy are childhood friends as well. So he's known him for a long time and thinks he's an idiot. Fine. Right. Um, and so, um, let's see here. I think we go on a tour of the factory, right? With the bankers. Am I getting that yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so the whole deal is Callahan auto has been struggling and there's going to be a new brake pad division that uh, they want to get launched. And weirdly, they've already built everything <laughs> before, I guess, they had the money to operate it, which is, I think, you know, maybe necessary for the plot. I don't know. But um, Big Tom, that's Tommy's dad, he needs a loan from the bank. He needs to get people working in there. He needs to get his inventory going, all that sort of stuff. And the bank is very hesitant. And so um, Big Tom is taking the banker through and doing his best sales job on... Uh, on the banker to try to get him to loan him the money and Tommy's tagging along for the, for the tour. <laughs> um, and it's at this point that, uh, that Tommy starts messing around with some machinery and gee, you got to get kick out of this. So you want to, you know, talk us through that. <laughs> yeah. So he, um, there's these like hooks, I guess that I actually don't know what the purpose of these hooks would have served with brake pads, but they serve to make a funny moment in the movie. I think is really <laughs> right. what they serve. Anyway, these big hooks the size of my head um, that are at, like, eye level. And Tommy presses the button. They just start going past him. He, like, pretends like start ninja fighting them, like, dodging and, like, making karate sounds and whatever. And then his dad call, calls him. And he turns, and he just gets knocked upside the head with one of the hooks. <laughs> anyway, it was really it, – you'd have to kind of see it to just watch Chris Farley do this, like, you know, grown man college degree you know, to basically act like a, a kid. Um, 
<laughs> with high and high high and industrial machinery. I don't know. I I just thought it was really funny. Well, and his explanation, I think, is is really the the icing on the cake there. When you know everybody turns around and looks at him when he's gotten hit and he's yelling, and he was like, "Oh, I was just you know inspecting the inline on the rotary girder," and then he just goes, "I'm retarded." Which, by the way, there you go. That's how you know you're watching a mid '90s movie. Can't get away with saying that uh, today. You cannot. Um, so anyway, um, you know, that's, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of our first foreshadowing that the company is not exactly on the most solid of footing, right? Yeah. I think the way Big Tom was putting it was, it's not that they were on bad footing, it's that, you know, they're like a shark. You have to keep swimming or you're, you'll, or you'll die sort of thing. I think he actually says something like yep. that. Well, okay. Um, there's also a scene right before uh, he's like ninja dodging the hooks, and it's just this small little moment. But Tommy, like, basically, like, you know, the bankers and his dad are walking through, and he's kind of tagging along exactly like that. And they're all walking down this like hallway, and he's like trying to put on his helmet, and he hasn't done it yet, and he just walks right into something, like hits his head on it you know, immediately tries to like dodge under it. Like it's just all these little small moments early on that just help establish how, you know, much of a lovable dumb guy that Tommy is. And I just love that so much. Yeah. So, you know, we get a little, like I said, we get a little, you know, evidence that things aren't going exactly well in the, uh, you know, in the family business. Um, but then, I think we cut to uh, we cut to home, right? Where Tommy's got an or Big Tom's got another surprise for Tommy Boy. Yep. So you know they go home, and um, again, Tommy's got his eyes closed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Can I open my eyes again? I told you to not close your eyes. Open um, your damn eyes. And they go out back. You know, it's a big fancy house, and and uh, I guess presumably Sandusky, well. Ohio. Big Tom's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah. And, um, you know, goes to a shot of the pool and, um, you know, a, a nice looking lady sort of pokes her head up out of the pool. It's Bo Derek, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. You are um, Yeah. Who pokes her head up out of the pool and Tommy goes, is that for me, too? <laughs> and uh, Big Tom goes, no, son, no, she's son. for me. <laughs> um, and I think that's a, that is the point at which Tommy realizes that he's his dad's getting married. Um, he tells her he's asked her to he's asked her to be his wife, and Tommy's super excited, right? Like it's really wholesome. Instead of some kid, you know, getting annoyed that he didn't know, he's just really really excited. And they go inside and have a chat, and that's when uh, that's when um, when Bo Derek tells Tommy Boy that uh, what's her name Beverly, I think Beverly tells Tommy Boy that he's gonna have a stepbrother or a brother, um, and that is weirdly Rob Lowe. <laughs> so at this point, and again, I had not read the plot at all. I had no idea what was happening. At this point, I thought, is this the original stepbrothers? <laughs> right. Yeah. Is this where it all started? Right. Uh, the difference is like, you know, we'll we'll learn a little bit more about it later. But Tommy, super excited to have a new brother. Rob Lowe, not very into it, I think is the right way to characterize it. Rob Lowe um, was cast as himself. <laughs> to, to this day, by the way, if I see somebody I haven't seen in a while, uh, you know, like in a, you 
professional, like at a conference or something like that or whatever. And they sort of stick their hand out to shake my hand. I go, brothers don't shake hands. Brothers <laughs> got a hug. <laughs> um, to this day, oh, I still do that. It's hysterical. Um, so Tommy's super excited. And uh, I think as a welcome to the family, he decides that he's going to take uh, Paul. That's Rob Lowe's character. He's going to take Paul cow tipping. Well, I think I think Paul asks, "Is there anything exciting?" Oh, that's to right. Do? Is there anything to do in this town? Are you right. kidding me? There's tons of stuff to do. <laughs> uh, so they go cow tipping. For anybody who doesn't know, it's exactly what it sounds like. You go up to some cows that are sleeping and you try to knock them over. Um, doesn't go super well for Tommy, who falls in the mud and gets stepped on by a cow. But um, um, that was, I think, Rob Lowe's first introduction to the family there. Um. And then I think, you know, after that, we're cutting back to the office uh, where he gets to meet Michelle. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so Tommy's, we cut back to the office and um, Tommy's playing with his fan in his office doing the whole Luke, I am your father thing. Um, And he's got some weird glove uh, like toy glove um and richard comes in and basically says hey you're gonna have to actually do a little bit of work around here richard played by david spade david spade yeah richard david spade comes in and says you're actually gonna have to do a little bit of work around here and that's when tommy you know gets to meet michelle because tommy's first assignment is go figure out why things aren't working the way that they should in uh in the loading dock shipments aren't going out as fast as they should michelle is the person who kind of runs the operations down there. So he goes to kind of meet her and talk to her and, and all that sort of stuff. And there's one thing that they foreshadow here that'll become, um, that'll become important later. And that is, uh, Michelle doesn't like files. Her office is kind of a mess. She's got papers everywhere. She doesn't have a filing system. She has her own system, she says. Um, and, uh, and you know, like I said, that'll become important later. Um, so that's a pretty quick scene. There is a little bit of antagonistic vibe between some of the, the workers on the loading dock and Tommy. They all kind of think he's an idiot. They all kind of think he's a joke. Um, but he's Tommy. He takes it all in stride, and he's still everybody's friend. Um, well, and I think it's also important to note that a, a lot of, a, I would say most of the factory workers like do like Tommy. Most and of it's them. the rare few that don't. Yeah. And then I think from here it's wedding time, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, still maybe a little bit weird that Tommy has only the day before <laughs> has he met his future stepmom, um, and the next day there's this huge wedding planned, I think. Um, but um, I assume there was some sort of time skip is what I... There might be. There might be. I they're not, they're not super clear about that. Um, there is one part in the... Uh, in the wedding sort of like, I guess really the reception scene where Richard's walking around with the video camera and he's taping people and that one creepy worker. I can't remember exactly what board, he says. He was a board member, I think. Was he a board member? But he like that creeper guy who, uh, he says, Hey, you know, big Tom, congratulations. Boy, would I like to get a piece of that or something like that? <laughs> Richard is like, he's like, Oh, Richard goes, good Lord. <laughs> uh, um, and I think, you know, like the biggest obviously thing that happens here, and gee, you called it, is, uh, you know, Tommy and, and Big Tom get up there and they're dancing. Everybody's having a great time. And 
all of a sudden, Big Tom stumbles and he falls, and that's the end. He had a, a pretty sudden heart attack, I think, is, is ultimately what happened to him. Um, and so now, you know, obviously, a little bit of grieving Tommy, you know, things like that uh, are happening here. But it's around this point where he starts to realize that the fate of kind of the town and the business and all that good stuff are, are going to sort of rest on his shoulders. Because the very next thing is that board meeting where the banker says, hey, sorry, I can't give you the money. Right. And earlier, um, earlier, the bank was willing to do it because of Big Tom. You know, yeah. his well, I think they were still hesitant. His, he was still selling. Right. Like he was still he trying sold, to convince he, he him. He sold him at the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. He, and uh, and it was like his big Tom's personal charisma and all that that the bank was gonna basically trade on because they were old friends or whatever. But with him gone, you know they weren't as confident. Yeah. Now the one thing the board is considering is that number one, the bank won't loan him the money, which means it's hard to get the company back on track. And simultaneously, they've got an offer to buy the company uh, from, uh, Ray Zelinsky played by Dan Aykroyd with the most hilarious hair that I've ever seen ever. Um, and I know Dan Aykroyd's always got some crazy hair going on, but it, it's pretty wild. And Dan Aykroyd plays a, he's in, I think based in Chicago. Um, I can't remember what they call him. The King of auto parts, the auto parts King or something like that. Uh, Ray Zelinsky is his yeah. name. So he's trying to buy the company. And of course that means that, uh, you know, if they sell the company, Tommy loses the family business. The idea is that Zelensky is going to buy the company. He's only interested in the brand. So he's going to buy the company, shut the factory down. The whole town's going to go under if uh, unless something changes is about right. So and, and so they're in this, this board meeting and then Tommy does two things that are really smart. Uh, first, he sets his shares up as collateral for the bank loan. Yep. Which, you know, if. When you're talking about like asymmetrical thinking and just wanting to make something work, that's exactly what you do. But not a lot of people be willing to do that. And then the second thing he does is he's he's he says, "I'll go and sell the brake pads," despite probably never having sold anything in his life. But he knows somebody needs to step to the plate, and it's gonna have to be him. So yeah, well, like remember. He says it's going to have to be him, but then somebody says, "Well, you don't know how to sell brake pads," and Tommy looks over at Richard and goes, "No, but he does." <laughs> right and that sets up of course the ultimate road trip that is most of the most of the movie um is these two guys running around selling brake pads so let me let me pause here i mean obviously it's a feel-good movie but um you know like did you did you think that tommy was going to be successful you kind of had to see it coming right yeah i mean this is a 90s movie yeah <laughs> There, there was going to be a feel-good in here. But I liked how, you know, the balance... Like, the balance between the story and comedy was almost perfect. Like, they told the story, and it was comedic. There's tons of comedy throughout. It's not like... I never felt like one was getting sacrificed for the other, you know, necessarily. Um, yeah. yeah. I did see the heart... I actually wrote down, heart attack, you know, saw that coming. The father-son relationship was way too good. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I mean that that entire sort of um, you know first segment of the movie where they're just kind of establishing all the characters, like that's just so well done because at the end of it, like I felt like I was rooting for Tommy so hard to succeed despite the fact that you know 
obviously is going to have a pretty rough time. And, you know, we all expect that there's going to be a host of comedic errors. And, you know, I definitely had some, you know, um, thoughts that maybe, you know, it wouldn't exactly play out how we all thought, like maybe the business wouldn't be saved and some other sort of happy ending would occur or something like that. But I mean, I just, especially when, you know, big Tom passed away, like you could just, you just fell for Tommy, you know, you could feel the love between the father and son. You could feel how much he really cared about, you know, everyone around him, especially, you know, the company and everyone, you know, and his family. And so, I just thought that was so well done. Just, you know, both the awesome comedic, you know, small little moments, right? The mini fridge, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it just made me, you know, so hooked in. Like, that's when the initial plot happens, you know, after that, you know, board meeting when Tommy goes, yeah, you know, I'll take it, put my shares up for collateral and I'll, you know, bring David Spade with me on the road trip so we can try to sell these brake pads. But, you know, before that plot, you know, driving force even happened, like I was just so sold on the movie already. Yep. All right. So, uh, Richard and Tommy hit the road to go sell. And, uh, the first thing that we see is them sort of standing outside, you know, their first prospects place of business. And Richard's like, all right, Tommy, First, he's like tries to straighten his tie and realizes it's a clip on, which is classic, uh, classic Tommy. Um, but he says, now, remember, we don't take no. And Tommy's like, we don't take no prisoners. Um, but eventually he gets to we don't take no for an answer. And then it's just a very quick, probably 30 second montage of their first four meetings where you just see the person they're meeting with going no. And Tommy goes, okie dokie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, very much taking no for an answer. Um, so it cuts through like four really quick meetings of just people being like, nope. And Tommy being like, thanks for your time. Um, until they get to one where the guy goes, well, maybe. And of course they're both shocked. They're like, oh, this guy's actually considering it. So Richard, you know, jumps into motion and he's trying to hand over all this paperwork and the guy's not buying it. He's an old school guy. Um, and Tommy decides that the best thing to do here is a little demonstration of their new brake pads. And this guy's got these two model cars on his desk. And Tommy was like, you don't want you to driving with your family. Like, and I'm not going to recreate the entire scene. Cause obviously you can go watch it yourself. It's, but it's amazing. It say, it's, it's worth watching on its own. It's amazing. Suffice it to say, Tommy with these two guys, model uh, cars on his desk, which he obviously cares about. Cause he's wanting to be like, Hey, can you not mess with those? But he doesn't say anything because of, you know, social anxiety, I guess. Um, Tommy creates a fiery car crash where he smashes the two models together and destroys them and takes the lighter on the guy's desk Complete and lights one fire. of them on fire. Um, <laughs> to demonstrate, like, this is what happens if you don't have really good brake pads, which, sure, I guess. Um, but it's at that point they get kicked out. Um, and so, you know, they have still not sold anything. Um, and then we cut... Scene, can I just quickly say my favorite sure. part of it was, you know... David Spade just in the background watching with horror on his face as this demonstration happens. And you can see, you can tell he's cracking up. Like he's trying to hold it in. Yeah. And it's just, I love that scene so much. And then at the end, uh, the end of that scene, David Spade just sort of flicks a card out between his fingers and hands it to the guy. And he's like, we'll be in 
Dutch. Um, I gotta, I gotta wonder. Like they probably had to shoot that scene multiple times. I wonder if every single time Chris Farley just made it more and more and more ridiculous. <laughs> probably, probably. Um, all right. So then it cuts to I think my favorite part of the movie, which is they have to stop for gas. And so Richard's going to go inside and get directions. Tommy, you fill it up. And it turns out that Richard's pulled a little bit too far forward and the gas pump won't reach. And so Tommy gets in the car, he backs it up and, um, the door is open as he's backing up and it hits one of those concrete, like don't drive here poles and completely just like grabs hold of the door and pushes it parallel with the rest of the car by the front fender right it's it, it's important to note two things this is possible because this is an old car so it's all metal yeah um, and richard very much likes this car oh yeah uh, no, no it's his baby like his baby. there's a there's a part earlier where like there's a little bit of a, a, a dust on it and richard spit shines the dust because he absolutely loves the car it's a great point um so Tommy, of course, is like, oh, no. And before Richard gets back, he basically kicks the front door back in place um, to where it's sort of in there, finishes pumping the gas, and then gets in the uh, gets in the passenger seat. And Richard comes back, grabs the door handle, pulls on it, and the just door falls completely off. And in maybe the greatest moment of Chris Farley's acting career, he looks over with this surprised look on his face and goes, what'd you do? <laughs> Well, it's hard. It would have been hard, really hard, to bend that door back, uh, for sure. And now, I you know, I don't know. For those of you who are paying close attention, um, you know, when Tommy kicks the door back in place, you can see a huge dent net where the fender meets the door. And then when it comes back to showing the exterior of the car, when Richard's about to open the door, it's totally gone. <laughs> like the dent is completely gone. I did gone. notice that. That's yeah. Funny. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I think that might be the greatest moment of uh, of. Um, of Chris Farley's acting career there. Um, well, and and the just next the fact scene, that he's the, you know, son of a, you know, big time auto company. Right. And he's right. just absolutely ruining the car. <laughs> What'd you do? <laughs> um, all right. So the next scene I think is, is it, it is devoid of um, very much. That's funny, but still very important. So it cuts to um, the Callahan company outing to the fair. Right. And so everybody's walking around with their stuffed animals. They're winning for their kids. And, you know, the uh, the the Ferris wheel and all that good stuff. Um, and one of the board members or the, you know, COO or something like that, a Callahan gets up and he's, you know, trying to, hey, let's all enjoy ourselves. And the factory workers are like, what's going to happen to our jobs? And they say, well, Tommy boy's out there trying to sell. And one of them goes, are you kidding me? He's an idiot. We're all screwed. Um, and then everybody kind of walks away. But crucially, it cuts to a scene with Beverly, that's Tommy's new stepmom, and Paul, Tommy's new stepbrother, kind of off to the side. And um, turns out they're not who they say they are because uh, they have themselves a little make-out session in the, uh, in the alley, uh, okay. which is fairly gross. So I have, I have something funny right here. Um, when I was watching this, at this, right before this part, my wife walked in. And she'd never seen it before either. So she sat down and she's like, oh, so tell me what's happening. I said, well, okay, well, these two are mother and son. And literally as soon as I said that, they start making, they out. Start making out. And she <laughs> looks at me and, uh, and it's just like this look of like, what are you watching? I'm like, uh, <laughs> because I was now just processing for the first time what was happening. So I didn't have a right. good answer. I'm like, right. ah, I mean, they, they said they were mother and son, but maybe they're not. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think that's when the big 
conspiracy is kind of revealed, right? Like, oh, these people are actually manipulating Big Tom for his money. You know, it wasn't a wife who's grieving at the loss of her husband. It's, you know, a couple of scam artists is really what's going on here. And then in like the total scene that they didn't need at all, but it's still funny, it shows Rob Lowe like, you know, like basically going to pee on this old fence um, that says it's got the Callahan name on it. Um, and it turns out behind it is like a, a power station and he pees on that and it electrocutes him and throws him across the alley. And, um, you know, which was, was pretty funny. They didn't need it, but, you know, I'm glad funny. they put it in there. But that's like funny a classic sure. Rob Lowe scene. Like, I don't know why, <laughs> but I was laughing so hard at that. Like, why even put that in there? <laughs> they just definitely uh, said, like, all right, Rob. Well, the myth, Mythbusters hadn't disproved that peeing on uh, electric an electric uh, current won't electrocute you. They hadn't disproved that yet, so. Yeah. Um, all right. So then we cut back to Richard and Tommy on the road. There's now no door on the car. <laughs> they're just kind of driving down the road with no door on the car. And they're confused about where they're going and arguing over the map. And it turns out there's a deer in the middle of the road. Um, and so they hit the deer. Um, and both of them are, of course, you know, really broken up about the fact that they've killed this animal. They don't know what to do with it. So naturally, they load it up. And they put it in the back of this old convertible. Naturally. Naturally. Because why wouldn't you, right? Um, I guess it's possible they could have, you know, called the authorities. But uh, I went this probably before everybody had cell phones. So I didn't think about that. Um, but anyway, um, so they load this thing up and they're going out and they're doing more sales. You know, all that good stuff. And um, again, Tommy's in there trying to have, you know, some success selling, he gets another no, and he has just what I can only characterize as an absolute breakdown in this guy's office. And if you've ever seen, like, classic Chris Farley Saturday Night Live, like I live in a van down by the river, this is classic Chris Farley, right? Like, just pulling his hair out and making it go crazy and stomping around. I mean, nobody else could do that but Chris Farley. Yeah, and you know, I, what I was waiting for was, because I knew they were going to turn this around somehow, I just didn't know how they are going to do it in a way that was believable, because it's not like Tommy is going to become a salesman overnight, uh, necessarily. So the, the part I was interested in is, was it something Tommy was going to you know find his groove, or was something else going to happen? And, and I think this is the part, this is right before the moment when we see that turnaround start to happen. Yeah, this is like, he has a little, he has his little breakdown, and I think this is kind of rock bottom for Tommy, right? Um, so again, it's a no. Right. And um, and they leave and they're going to their next stop and it's the dead of night and the deer still in the back of the car and they're driving down the road. And what happens? I mean, so, gee, you saw the father son thing coming. Did you see this coming? No, actually, I didn't. You didn't see this (laughs) coming? No, that's pretty funny. Um, So what happens? But the deer was never dead. It was just passed out for a long time. It's sleeping. It was just mostly dead in the uh, in the words of Miracle Max. Um, now that's an amazing movie. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so the deer kind of wakes up. <laughs> they realize it's woken up. They scream. They get out of the car in the middle of the road. They jump out. The deer's going crazy. It's poking its antlers through the soft top of the convertible. It's kicking windows out, just trying to get out of this car. Um, and ultimately, it gets itself out, but not after just completely demolishing 
Richard's baby of a car. I mean, every window's broken, the seats are torn up, uh, the roof is completely gone, caved in, torn. I mean, it's just destroyed, and the deer just gets up and runs away, and they're just standing there looking at it. And I think, I think, while they're standing there looking at it, Tommy goes, that was awesome. That's exactly what he says. And honestly, an honest reaction if you're not the owner of the car. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and so then they go to, we cut to one of the more classic scenes in the movie, which is the, uh, it's the, the motel room scene, um, where, you know, they're in there talking, they see Zelensky on TV, Tommy's like, Hey, I'm going to go get some food, whatever it is. Uh, Michelle calls to check in and say, hi, there's moths weirdly all over the room. Like they have the window open and there's moths well, everywhere. And also there's like a wall mounted vacuum. Like we're definitely in the nineties. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those like whole house vacuum things that you could plug into the wall for sure. Yeah. Um I don't know that I've ever been in a motel room that had its own vacuum. It was like a, I don't know about you guys. Then this summer it had a wall mounted vacuum system. Okay. Well, yeah, but that's where you live. This is a motel. Yeah. 90s, baby. 90s. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Tommy does the very, at this at this point, he does the very classic, because Richard's feeling a little down on his luck. Um, he does the very classic thing where he puts on Richard's sport coat, and he's like, you know, it's way, way, way too small for him, and he starts singing Fat Guy in a Little Coat, which, um, you know, again, I think is a pretty classic Fat Guy in a Little Coat. No, I um, did see what was about to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course, you know, he, you know, swings his arms forward and it completely ruins the jacket. <laughs> classic Chris Farley, of course. Um, so then... Um, uh, they're back out on the road, I think, because I don't think the, the rest of the motel scene happens until later, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. I could be wrong about that, but I think the rest of the motel scene happens a little bit later. Um, but they're, anyway, they're back there on the road, and um, they're driving down the road. Now the car is destroyed. <laughs> it's become a convertible against its own will. Um the doors are, I think, maybe both gone at this point. Um, and so they're just driving in the open air, singing together. And, um, of course, something else car-related befalls them, which is that the hood, you know, flips up while they're driving down the road. Nobody can see anything. Tommy's driving at this point. They spin out. They all freak out and narrowly avoid a crash. Um, and it's at this point that I think Richard just completely loses his cool. It's been building for a while, right? Um, but Richard just completely loses his cool. He's starting to yell. They're yelling at each other. The fellowship is broken. <laughs> and Richard just picks up a two by four and absolutely clocks Tommy Which, with it. Where did that two by four even come from? That, that was, was my just question. Laying, I think it was just, it was just laying on the side of the road. Perfectly good two by fours laying on the side of the road in the middle of Wyoming. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's yeah. So now they're having this awkward moment where they're now they have to eat lunch together. And it's just after they've had this fight and Richard has just absolutely mauled Tommy with this two by four. And they're sitting there and the waitress comes up and it's early. It's only breakfast time. Right. I think that's pretty early. And the waitress comes up and asks what uh, what she can get him. And um, actually, before this happens, another another classic, uh, another classic Chris Farley, where he goes, Richard. Does my face look weird? It really hurts. 
<laughs> and Richard goes, no, and it's where he'd been smacked. And he goes, not so much here. And he points at his, you know, he points at his shoulder. Not so much here. And he points at the top of his face. Meanwhile, there's this huge red mark from where he'd been smacked with his two by four. And he goes, right here. And Richard goes, no, looks looks totally fine to me. <laughs> um, so the waitress comes up and Tommy says, can I have some chicken wings? She says, no. And this is important. She says, no, the kitchen's closed. I only have cold stuff, you know, like deli sandwiches, whatever. And he says, gosh, I really wanted these chicken wings. And then he looks at her and he goes, you know, we're both in sales to the waitress. And he has basically another breakdown where he like, I don't know what he does, but he picks up this roll, like this dinner roll. And he goes, this is my sale. And then he just mutilates the dinner roll and talks about, he talks about how like, um, it's an animal that he loves and like he loves it too much, basically. <laughs> and, yeah, he loves it so much that he it. kills it. Yeah. yeah, he loves it so much that he kills it. And I've killed my sail. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, and it's at that point that the waitress takes pity on him, and um, and says, "You know what? Let me just fire up the grills myself, and I'll get you some chicken wings." And she says, "Aaron," and he goes, "Well, thank you." And, you know, of course, David Spade's character, Richard, perks up and he's like, Tommy, do you realize what you just did? You sold her. She told you no. And you ended up getting the thing that you wanted. And I think that's really, G, to your point, is kind of the turnaround point for Tommy, right? Like he finally makes a sale, even though it's only to a waitress, but he realizes he's got it in him. Right. Because selling is about personal charisma for the most part. Exactly. And, And it's not that he didn't have charisma. It's just... You know, he didn't know how to direct it. Exactly. So they're doing their next meeting, and uh, the guy's hearing him out, and he says, well, you don't have a guarantee on the box. And so even though there is a guarantee, it's not on the box, and that's like a really big deal. Side note, I'm going to ask you guys a question. If your company was going under, and the thing that was keeping you from making sales was you didn't, the, the items are guaranteed, the thing that was keeping you from making sales was that you didn't write on the box that they were guaranteed. Wouldn't you change the design of your boxes? Well, I thought about this in the moment, and what I think would be the reason why he uh, went the path he went is because he already has everything packaged. He can't go and repackage everything. You know, that would take too long. That was that was my rationale in the moment. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, anyway, we see Tommy finally not take no for an answer, right? The guy's like, no, thank you. There's no guarantee on the box. Um, Tommy finally takes no for an answer, doesn't take no for an answer. Sorry. And he chases this guy up and, um, you know, he gives him his best sales pitch and the guy looks at him and says, okay, I'll buy from you. Like it's the first, like it's his first real sale and it, you know, kind of marks the turnaround. Um, Kind of marks the turnaround of the movie. It cuts back to uh, Bev and Paul grossly uh, in their room together. <laughs> um, and like, it's also not only is it gross because we started out the movie thinking that they were, you know, mother and son, but it's also gross because there's a pretty apparent age gap between Bo Derek and and Rob Lowe. Well, like, and it's, actually, and it's, I know a lot of people say, well, Rob Lowe, you know, he doesn't look like he's aged. And I think that's true to a point. But it's like young Rob Lowe. He like, was young. He was young. <laughs> like I don't know. It, it's unsettling to me to to watch young Rob Lowe uh, engage in what he was engaging in. 
Yeah. So then we cut back to, you know, the next motel room scene where Richard and Tommy are kind of on cloud nine because they've sold a thing. But anyway, uh, Tommy says, Hey, I'm going to go get lunch or dinner. Sorry. I'm going to go get dinner. And, um, Richard goes to close the blinds. And as he's closing the blinds, he sees a nice, attractive lady at the pool. Um, and Tommy, which, of course, which, walks. Hold on a second. Isn't it like winter in Ohio? So they're not in Ohio anymore. Like they're okay. pretty far away. They're still north of like, you know, a certain point. You're, you're asking a great question. I don't actually know if they were ever specific about what time of year it is. However, they're wearing coats. They are. They're wearing coats, but they are like reasonably comfortably driving around with like no doors, no windows, and no roof in this car. Yeah. But I think your point is valid. Like if they're wearing <laughs> coats, it's probably not warm enough for this lady to be like seductively removed, disrobing to jump into this pool. But this is at, at, at a motel like. pool. At a motel pool. At a yeah. motel pool. So Tommy walks by her, and he does, and again, another classic Chris Farley, where he goes, oh, do you know where the gym is? I'll, I'll find it myself. And he just keeps walking. Like, um, so anyway, um, Richard's watching her. You know, she's disrobing, you know, and then um, through the window is hotel. And um, I guess she, you know, she begins to maybe explore whether or not some skinny dipping is in order. Richard continues to continues to watch. And it's at that point that Tommy walks in on him. Um, and what we don't see, but we find out later is that Richard was, how do I say this, uh, (laughs) in a podcast friendly format, um, Richard was practicing (laughs) self-care, right? Yeah. I mean, while he was watching this lady get in the pool and Tommy walks in on him and sees it happen. (laughs) Um, and of course is just relentless about it. Um, you know, like in weird ways, like, Hey Richard, you ever seen that comedian? What's his name? Oh, funny. Whack it. Um, <laughs> and then they're getting ready for bed. And as they're, you know, the lights are out, which by the way, another weird thing, I've got I've traveled a lot on business and I understand this company's kind of under hardships. Never have I stayed in the same room with a coworker before ever. <laughs> um, right. But I mean, but it might, I think it might be different if you were childhood friends with with the coworker, but maybe. But um, a, lot, a lot of things don't li- line up here. We, I think, we needed it for the movie, basically. Right. Is, uh, yeah. Is, is what needed to happen. But anyway, there, you know, lights are out there, both under the covers. Richard is still mortified, so he's just staring up at the ceiling. And <laughs> uh, Tommy goes, Richard, which is your favorite of the little rascals? Mine's Spanky. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, man. so uh so anyway yeah yeah go ahead no and I, I, richard has his like covers all the way up to his chin for some reason oh yeah because he's mortified <laughs> like he just wants to he wants to stop existing um so we go on another montage i think now of successful sales right it's just right. you know quick hits of you know tommy and richard shaking hands with people who are buying them we cut back to the factory and everybody's in really high spirits and there's you know boxes of brake pads going down the conveyor belts because you know tommy's really getting it right um and this is of course bad news for uh for beverly and paul right because they need the company to go under so that it gets sold so they can cash out and so paul goes into Michelle's office and pulls up the orders and just starts changing everything. 
right? He's changing shipping times. He's changing quantities. He's doing all kinds of, you know, dastardly stuff. Um, and then Michelle walks back in and he pretends like he was on the phone. Um, and then like, in maybe the weirdest part of the movie, the whole movie, you guys tell me if you agree or disagree, you know, Michelle's sitting there talking to him and she's got like this, you know, the old school bank teller vacuum tube where they would send things to your car. She's got one of those in his, in her office and he's sitting next to it. And somehow the tail of his shirt gets caught in it and it like pulls really tight and then just completely pulls off. And Rob Lowe's just sitting there shirtless, like super weird part. That's like every Rob Lowe scene has been like that, you know? It is, it is, it's true. Like, it is, the, he's got the weirdest part in this movie ever. Uh, it feels like, go ahead, go ahead. I, I'm convinced that, you know, when they're making this movie, they're just saying, hey, how can we mess with Rob the most while filming this movie? You know, like, they just give well, him the weirdest scenes. Well, well, that's what I don't understand. It's like, I don't know how popular Rob Lowe was in, what was this, 1995? Um, yeah, 95. So I don't know if he was very popular then or not, but if he, he's having all these scenes where it's like seems to be engineered for Rob Lowe, but he's not even like in the like Bo Derek gets top billing over him in this movie. Uh Yeah, it's a little odd. I'm I'm actually pulling uh Rob Lowe's like acting history up to see like around 95 what had he done before that? But it seemed like um, that scene was like, how can we get Rob Lowe shirtless? Oh, I know. The old uh, <laughs> shirt in the uh, vacuum tube uh, bit. Yeah, this is, you're right. This is kind of right before he was super big. He'd done St. Elmo's Fire, um, which is, you know, that one I think is pretty pretty big and influential. But, you know, it was really before he, I think, I think really made it. Um, St. Elmo's just Fire. Just looking quickly. Yeah. I'm sure you haven't seen it, right? Yeah, never seen it. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, Rob Lowe's now messed up all the orders, but Tommy and Richard don't know that. They think they've been wildly successful, and so they're on the road home, and they're celebrating, they're singing, they get back to the office, they're super happy, and they walk in, and um, one of the guys that works at the company, presumably he's in like a COO role or something like that, tells him everything went haywire. Orders didn't go out. They went the wrong, you know, the wrong places. The wrong quantities got shipped out. The shipping times were all wrong. And everybody's canceling the order because they now believe that, you know, with Big Tom gone, the company's not actually being run properly. Um, and so, you know, huge letdown. All of their good work has been for naught because everybody's canceling their orders. They're going to have to sell. They don't have a choice. So Tommy goes down to see Michelle, who's, I think, feeling pretty, pretty bad about it. Um, and he's like, I just don't understand why you have to use your system. Um, and she runs out and she's, you know, completely broken up about how she's the reason that they're, uh, they're, she um, quit. they're ruining the company. Yeah. Uh, well, does she quit? No, she either did. way, she's going to go back home and visit, right? No, you're right. She did quit. She quit. Yeah. Yeah. She quit. And she goes to the airport. Um, and she sees Beverly and Paul together romantically in the airport. Um, also another very nineties thing. Cause I think she just walks up to the airport and is like, can I have one ticket please? Which is not a thing that directly into the terminal. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Tommy and Richard are back out there, you know, driving around now they're drunk, right? Drowning their sorrows. Um, and of course, um, you know, again, probably wouldn't in, in today's world, you probably wouldn't glamorize that kind of thing, but they do. Um, they get pulled over 
Tommy's big idea is to pretend like there's bees everywhere, and that's how the cops are going to leave them alone. If they come near them, they're all going to get stung by bees. So the cops eventually leave. An oversight um, by that police department to put two officers in the same patrol car who are both allergic to bees. Yeah, that very fair point. Um, and then they realize they've stopped under a sign for uh, for Zelensky Auto, and they're like, we got to go. We got to go to Chicago. We got to confront this guy, right, um, to go see Zelensky. So um, they can't get any tickets. They weirdly somehow managed to pose as flight crew. <laughs> yeah, they, they decided uh, to. I thought they were going to try to deadhead, but I guess they, they are now flight attendants. Yeah, yeah. So they're posing as flight crew, like giving out the pre-flight instructions, not knowing what they're doing. Um, they have to change mid-flight. Tommy goes into the bathroom and it's, you know, classic Chris Farley. Um, you know, uh, it just everything very over the top of him trying to change in this airplane bathroom. And that doesn't work out. But they finally get it done. They get off the plane um, and they go to see Zelensky. None of this um, would be possible in the post-2001 uh, airline world. A hundred percent. So they go see Zelensky to, I think, I guess, appeal to his, you know, sense of self. And Zelensky's like, look, I hear you, but business is business. I want to buy this company. I need the brand. And, like, I, I can't keep the factory. It's got to it's gotta get shut down. So they're, they're sitting out there, um, you know, just kind of down on their luck in front of the building. And that's when Michelle comes up. And she's got all this information about, uh, about you know, Bev and Paul and the fact that he sabotaged them and all that sort of stuff. And she's got their criminal records, which she got by calling her father, one detective. Her brother. Her brother's the cop, yeah. Oh, is her brother? That was her father. Yeah, I think it's her brother. Oh, her brother, uh, one Detective Brock. Detective Brock, indeed, yeah. Because <laughs> that's her last name. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. I have, I have in all caps at this point when I learned that. I have all in all caps. Detective Brock is on the case. <laughs> uh, so now they've got to get into the the Zelensky office, but Zelensky has already told security to not let him back in. So Tommy crafts a a vest of dynamite again and you, walks in. It would not be okay. <laughs> yeah, that was two thousand one world. Yeah, um, everybody thinks he's robbing the bank, so they all sort of, you know, fall on their faces, and uh, he's got this vest of dynamite. Michelle, who seems like, you know, a pretty straight-laced person, is just going along with it. Her brother's a cop. I mean, (laughs) that's true. Her brother is a cop. uh, Is just going along with it, and so they walk up. And, um, you know, the boardroom, you know, everybody's in the boardroom. They're signing over the sale papers. Um, Somehow Tommy manages to recruit a news crew (laughs) to to come in there. Um, Maybe he whispered and told her that they're actually road road flares, not dynamite. Yeah, I don't know. But he manages to to recruit a news crew to come in there. He barges into the boardroom. He gets Zelensky on TV and basically corners the guy who's built this reputation as a very wholesome, you know, like I'm doing things for the working man because that's what I am. I'm also the working man. Right. Um, And he corners him on TV and says, you're about to buy this company. You can't possibly, you know, put all these working people out of business or out of a job. And so he gets him on TV and says, uh, you know, the guy commits to not doing that, and it's at that point that Tommy starts to expose that Beverly and, and Paul are crooks, and they can't possibly sign off on the sale, and I don't sign off on the sale, and we've got all these sales that everybody's agreeing to redo, and, you know, we've kind of kind of saved the day at this point, right? We also get Zelensky to buy, like, 
half a million brake pads. Yeah, he's buying all the brake pads. He said, look, instead of buying the company, just buy the brake pads for me, sell them in your stores. Um, and that's how you're going to keep all these people in a, in a job. And Zelensky agrees to it, and he saves the company in, in kind of one fell swoop. And then, of course, we have another awkward moment with Rob Lowe, who tries to run away um, and somehow ends up in this car accessory testing facility where he ends up on a chair and they drop like this big weight directly in his crotch. I don't know. Like, <laughs> everything with Rob Lowe in this movie is it's strange. a little strange, yeah. Funny though. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, um, there was also a scene with him earlier in the movie where uh, he was trying to sabotage the factory, and the dog, like this Rottweiler, is there guarding the factory, and it gets loose and it jumps into the car with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it gets loose because um, Rob Lowe goes to he wants to sabotage the trucks. That's his first plan before he messes up the orders. He wants to sabotage the trucks, so and he so takes, he's got a hunting rifle. Yeah, I don't. I'm like, bro, yeah. just take a knife. Just slash them. Go right? slash them. Yeah. Or so he's got a if you want to be really smart, just let the air out. <laughs> yeah. One, I'd like one of those two. But he's got a hunting rifle. Um, and somehow, I don't know, this dog is on a chain and uh, he's running up to Rob Lowe. And right as uh, he's going to jump for him, the chain goes taut and the dog gets, you know, jerked back. And that somehow causes Rob Lowe's aim to go off. And he shoots up and he knocks the sign down, which breaks the chain. And the dog, you know, jumps in and tries to maul, maul his character. But suffice it to say, everything that happens with Rob Lowe's character in this movie is just strange. Oh, man. Um, and then I think we basically end, we end with Tommy on his little sailboat with no wind and he's talking to his dad and he's like, dad, I, you know, I really think I did it. And, you know, it'd be nice to have a little wind if you can hear me and the wind picks up and then we get the end in the credits roll. Yep. And that is Tommy. He saved the day. Yeah. Weirdly somehow. Well, that's, that's the crazy part to me. Like the, the whole ending sequence is just, it both makes complete sense and it also makes no sense like just the logic of hmm i can't get into the boardroom how am i going to get into the boardroom oh i'm gonna strap a fake bomb vest to my body and threaten everybody <laughs> and then i'll get into the boardroom then yeah, i'll be able to reasonably you know talk to these guys as i have a bomb vest strapped to me a fake bomb and by the vest. way let's note that he walked into a very large public building in downtown chicago with a fake bomb vest strapped to his chest and appears to have suffered no consequences yeah right. like, <laughs> never even, it's just like oh it's fine he did it yeah. he saved his company like <laughs> yeah i mean, actually i don't know even in the 90s would that have actually flown if someone did that in real life i don't think so I don't think so. Not in the 90s. Not in the 90s. But still, <laughs> I guess Chris Farley could get away with it if it's in a movie. <laughs> um, all right. Any closing thoughts, G or Peter? Yeah. I mean, again, like this, just, I just couldn't help but smile my way through the entire movie. I mean, there were moments of just kind of unique tenderness. And then there were moments where I'm just laughing my ass off. And, you know, like Tommy Boy, you know, Chris Farley is just this awesome, lovable presence that just carries, you know, all the kind of surrounding actors forward in this awesome movie that, you know, I am going to give a pretty, pretty high, you know, ranking as soon as we get to the ranking segment. 
Well, I mean, you know, G, parting thoughts before we yeah. get to the rankings. I, I agree with Peter. It's it's a movie you smile through. I think my only critique is basically any part with Rob Lowe. It was weird. <laughs> it was a little strange. I mean, I I guess I guess that, that well, that's why I say it's my only critique. It's not much of a critique because it's like there's not that many, and honestly. It, they you move so quickly through them that it doesn't really end up mattering. I mean, you you almost need you almost need those like scenes where you can kind of take your attention off of you know whatever's happening to to keep pacing through the movie. So I I get why those scenes existed. I just don't understand half the time what Rob Lowe's purpose in the plot was, other than to be the ant you know, the antagonist. You got to think when he was reading the script. I don't think he read the know? script, 100%. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, had he read the script, he was like, okay, so I'm going to walk into this office. I'm going to sit in the corner and something's going to pull my shirt off. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. Before yeah. that, I mean, just, you know, peeing and then getting electrocuted, right? <laughs> like, also uh, nice. I, I, I will also point out as a parting uh, item, Beverly didn't end up suffering really much in the way of consequences. Yeah, no, she, she gets with Zelensky, she gets right? With Zelensky, yeah. Yeah. Well, I felt yeah. like that was almost a way to potentially set up, you know, sequel, right? A Tommy Boy 2. Oh, really? Tommy Boy 2. There was no Tommy Boy 2. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> um, sure. Now, know, there was, just, you know, there was basically a Tommy Boy 2. Just with an entirely different scenario and it's a movie called black sheep. Um, and it, I believe stars also, uh, I know it's Chris Farley. Let me just check. I think it also stars David Spade. Let's see. Black sheep. Uh, yeah, Chris Farley and David Spade. Um, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, in this one, um, I think Chris Farley's brother, is like running for governor or something like that. Um, and like Chris Farley is, of course, trying to help the campaign and blah, 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 blah. Right. It sounds very, like very, uh, very similar. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I might have to check that out. Yeah. I mean, it's effectively, um, it's a 1996 movie. It's effectively Tommy Boy Part Two. Hmm. Um, it's just an entirely different, you know, setup. What's that? Uh, how does that fall in the wheelhouse? Black Sheep is, I mean, it's right in there, 6.3. Okay, interesting. As compared to, let's see, Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy's in the uh, sevens, I, I think. I think we actually talked about it, but Tommy Boy is 7.1, yeah. And Tommy Boy, don't get me wrong, Tommy Boy's a better movie. Um, Black Sheep has some moments, but it's nowhere near as good as Tommy Boy. Yeah. All right, so that's that's the you know the whole recap. Yeah, Let's so it was ahead. my recommendation, so I get to go last. Right. Um, I think in terms of uh, in terms of my rating. That's so fair. Let's let let's start with uh, pleasantly surprised G. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I I thought it was really really good. Um, hell, I'm gonna come out and say it. I'll give it a five out of five. Ooh, that's nice. That's very very nice, Peter. Is it possible to uh, have not experienced the 90s, but also miss the 90s? Yes. I mean... Yeah, thousand percent. I, I, have done was, I mean, this is just... This is the type of movie that I just wish there was more of today, you know? Um, I definitely give this a five out of five. Chris Farley is a legend. And, you know, Tommy Boy... 
guy in a little coat. <laughs> I mean, it's just five out of five by far. Amazing movie. This is this is nice. I uh, when I recommended it, I all I kind of thought, uh, I kind of thought, gee, that you weren't going to like it, and we were going to have a nice spirited debate about why you were an idiot. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, but I'm glad I'm presently surprised that uh, that you guys like it. I you know I'm thinking about my rating here. I like hesitate a little bit to give it a five out of five, um, only because you know like. I do think there is room to go up from Tommy Boy, um, because again, my favorite movie of all time is Dumb and Dumber. Um, I don't want to like, I don't want to slice our pogs too finely. I don't want to be like it's a four point eight two or something like that. I'm gonna give it a four and a half um, out of five okay. because I think it is. I mean, it's an all time great. The cover is no. Question. I mean, I guess we shouldn't like give an all star pog on our only quote second but really first episode of all time no i mean starting it off <laughs> yeah. with the classic i love that you know yeah um so you know i like i'm gonna give it a four and a half out of five because again it's 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 an all-time great you know like one yeah. of the best no question um in my most humble of opinions not the best but but one of the best for sure well we i think this have is a... a testament to you know the wheelhouse system because there's just so many classic movies that, you know, didn't get the sort of critical reception, right? But exactly. just for, you know, for just watching, they're so good. They're so fun. They're so lovable. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's just great to go back and, you know, encounter all these movies that no one ever really you know, talks about in today's day and age. Yep, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I completely agree. I think that uh, the 90s and maybe the late 80s as well, but the 90s are like as good as it will ever be in terms of comedy movies. Well, I'm excited because, I mean, I enjoyed this movie, um, so I'm looking forward to more movies of this kind, especially since I haven't seen very many from this period. Boy, I have... I mean, I've just got a list that <laughs> um, we can work our way through. I do think we will have a spirit debate about Dumb and Dumber because I'm fairly confident that I do not like that movie. And um, let me tell you, I don't tolerate people <laughs> disrespect Dumb and Dumber. So I'm looking so forward we'll, to the, we'll have to the plan, moment we finally watch it. Yeah, we'll have to plan that one. Um, but uh, so, all right. So we've I've given it five of five. Peter gave five of five. You know. Justin's dragging it down with a 4.5. So where, yeah. where do we end up with the average? Well, let's see. I mean, that's a that's an average of 4.83. Okay. That's pretty damn high. That's pretty high. I mean, it's much higher than our last movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think the floating heads really... Cold Mars the, Attacks. Ruined the last one, yeah. Yeah. The floating heads. Let's all um, remember that Peter rated this 5 of 5. He rated Mars Attacks 4.5. Oh, did he give you 4.5? I mean, just do, you know, 90s, right? Yeah, yeah. a little coat and just little green guys screaming, you know? Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Okay, so quick preview. We're not doing a movie next time. Um, we are doing um, just a, what I think is going to be a thoroughly entertaining discussion of the, the, the Halo controversy. 
Yep. And then after that, we'll come back to the movies, and it will be my turn to select. And I'm thinking a Christmas movie, since I think it will probably be Christmas time that we'll be recording that uh, if all goes well. So I have not yet selected one. Um, I have a few in mind. Some I have seen. um, Some I have not. So uh, we'll probably really... We'll I'll probably preview that when when we do the Halo uh, discussion. Yeah, and uh, in case we haven't been explicit about it, um, we are alternating the movie picks, right? So Peter picked Mars Attacks, I picked uh, Tommy Boy, and G gets to pick next. Yep. All right, boys. Well, good job. Glad we were able to do it uh, today. Tommy Always Boy's a pleasure. And and you know you got to experience tommy boy right what could be better what could be better indeed all right everybody thank you for listening yeah let's get out of here we'll catch you later bye bye